Welcome to Depths of Creation, a podcast to explore your creative expression, emotions, and pleasure while you make art out of everyday life. I am your host, Rachel White, a creator, author, speaker, and your guide towards exploring and expressing the depth of your primal and sacred creative energy. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to this episode. I'm so excited for this part two of diving into Gene Key's story codes and archetypes for MCU characters. And this episode is mostly going to focus on Thor Odinson, um, one of my favorite characters in the MCU. But I'm also going to touch on Loki, Valkyrie, Odin, and Thanos. As well. And recently I've rewatched all of the Thor movies, like even the first one, all the way to Ragnarok. And I'm super excited for the new Thor movie to be coming out in just a few weeks from the time I'm recording this. And if I have things to add after watching the new movie, I might even do a second episode to to touch on those things. But I think Thor's story code has been very consistent throughout the MCU and it is just such a clear depiction of the 38th Jinky. The 38th Jinky is the story code from struggle to honor through the way of perseverance and this is the warrior code or the fighter code. Like this is the story that the warrior with honor moves through in storytelling and in the coding within the Jinkies and and within our daily life as well. And for Thor, I want to start in the shadow because that is where I feel we find him exactly in his shadow um, in the first Thor movie. And he kind of goes like through this spiral journey of like, this is a shadow, like it's our journey through the story of our jinkies isn't always like linear that, okay, we've done the shadow, then we're in the gift and then we're at the city. Usually it's like a spiral. Like our shadows are designed to be constant challenges for us to help us evolve and to reach new levels of higher frequencies. And I feel like that is exactly um, what Thor's story is. I think he has the same story, like underlying story in a lot of his movies, but it's more of like a spiral and new depth and new layers are revealed within the same storyline, um, to progress him to his highest frequency, like of this warrior that has a high degree of honor. So looking at the shadow, the shadow here is struggle. And this is the jinky, like the 38th jinky being the fighter jinky is there's always a fight within any frequency. There's always this drive to fight. And in the shadow, that fight leads to struggle. It leads to struggle because the fight doesn't really have a strong purpose. It doesn't have any honor attached to it. And when I was rewatching the first Thor movie, I was like marking down like some quotes. Uh, I only did this for like maybe the first like 30 minutes of it. And then I kind of got into the movie and, and forgot. But like right at the beginning of the movie, it shows Thor as a child. And he says, quote, when I am king, I will hunt the monsters down and slay them all. And we can see like from him being this child, like he has that drive, like to fight, to slay. And yes, like some of that is definitely his, 
you know, conditioning, like seeing how his father operates and, and the world then in Asgard that he grows up in. But we can see that like he has that desire. And like, if we compare him to Loki, Loki has a very different storyline, which I'll, I'll talk about the Jinky. I feel like fits him next. Um, but for Thor, it was like always about this fight. And in the first movie, he is about like, he's all grown up. I find it really fascinating that like they talk about Thor being like 1,500 years old or something like that. So I, I find can I find looking at like his character development really interesting that it's like, you know, over a thousand years, like he was stuck in this shadow. And then, you know, suddenly when we meet him in a couple of years, like, or like 10 years, um, he goes through so much, but like for him, like relative to his his lifespan, it's probably like such a short time. But anyway, like in the first movie, like he's all grown up and he's about to be sworn in as king. And as he's being like sworn in, like swearing in to protect the nine realms, to protect Asgard, um, Asgard gets attacked by the frost giants. Like they break him and they all end up dying. Like all the ones that broke into Asgard end up dying. Um, And, like, his immediate reaction is they must pay. I want to teach them a lesson. I'm going to go fight them. And his dad says to him, like, son, you're thinking like a warrior, not like a king. And he delays his, like, coronation. He delays swearing Thor in as king because he sees that he still has this, like, struggle shadow warrior mindset where he just wants to fight. Like, he just wants the thrill of the fight, no matter, like, like, without really thinking about the honor of it, like, without really um, like considering why he would want to go and like make these people pay or thinking about like why they were even there or anything like that. And with such an easy, um, like just low key, just provoking him, just like this tiny little bit, Thor like goes to Jotunheim. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, like where the frost giants live. And he goes to fight them. And when he arrives, like they warn him, they're like, you know, this doesn't have to result in a battle. This doesn't have to result in death and destruction. You can leave like the battle and Thor could not see that the battle was not necessary. He wanted to go there and fight. And he like, it looks for a second, like he's going to turn away and be like, okay, you know, like whatever. But then again, like he is like pulled into the fight by just a tiny little provocation with one of the frost giants who's like mocked him and called him a little boy or, or something like that. And straight away, like he starts the fight and, you know, starts all of this destruction to these people that, you know, for he doesn't really know, like if they are even responsible for the few frost giants that did get into Asgard or like he really doesn't know anything. He's just starting this fight and he's in this struggle, this reactive struggle of being so aggressive to stay in the fight. He can't help but fight. And he says something like I wrote down this quote. He's like, at least make it challenging for me. Like he's taunting them. Like he just wants to fight. So this shadow of struggle 
in a and and I think that we see Thor in this shadow of struggle in both the repressive and the reactive. In the earlier movies, we definitely see him in this reactive state and the reactive side of struggle is being aggressive. It's being in that regressive state of struggle where you just can't help but fight. Things always end up in a fight, but the struggle is there because you're fighting for the wrong things, the wrong people and the wrong reason. The struggle is fighting for no purpose and with no honor, just constantly looking for combat and becoming addicted to the fight and being addicted to the fight because they need to channel their aggression into something, but they move into the gift when they channel their aggression into a higher purpose. The reactive side of this shadow of struggle is, uh, sorry, the repressive side of this shadow of struggle is like being, is defeatist, like feeling defeated and this collapsed energy. It's like you have given up as a result of like you, all your enthusiasm for life has become dampened because you've just collapsed under defeat from the fight. And this can become like a deep depression at its extreme because there's this deep internal blame on themselves for losing the fight, whatever, whatever the fight was for them. And for them to come back into their gift from this repressive state of struggle, they need a cause worth fighting for to regain their energy. And I think we see Thor in this repressive state of like being defeated and this like deep internal blame and depression. We see this from Thor in Endgame where he is, you know, clearly like in this state of depression, he blames himself for for th- um for Thanos defeating for like d- destroying like like what what he had to witness happened like to his like Asgardian people like on the ship like he blames himself for that he blames himself for Loki dying he blames himself for you know not going for the head and and letting Thanos win after everything he went through like you know like whole like having like a star shine through him to make Stormbreaker like everything he had to endure and go through in that fight and he lost and this deep like internalizing all that blame within himself really resulted in like that defeated collapsed energy so we've seen Thor be in both the repressive and the reactive side of this shadow of struggle through many different facets and in many different ways. And I think we even saw like a little glimpse of that repressive shadow in the first Thor movie. And I feel like this is one of the saddest bits of the movie where he is, you know, he um, tried to get Mjolnir and he tried to pick it up and he couldn't pick it up. And he got captured by S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and then Loki comes and tells them that their father died, which was a lie. And he tells him that like he's banished and that like his mother doesn't want to see him and all of these things. And Thor, you know, like is crying and just like, brother, like, can I, can I come home with you? I thought that was one of the saddest thing. And Loki is just like, no, no, <laughs> like, and you know, like, like that really ties into 
Loki shadow as well, which again, like I'll come to. But we feel we see like just a little bit defeated. But as soon as his friends get to Earth, like his friends from Asgard get to Earth and tell him the real story, like suddenly he has a cause worth fighting for again, and he comes into that gift of perseverance. So every time like Thor is in this shadow of struggle he either you know finds a cause worth fighting for to regain his energy or channels his aggression and anger like into a higher fight and higher purpose and in Endgame you know like the the cause that was worth fighting for was to save everyone to bring everyone back and he he was really hesitant to come back into that fight but a really pivotal turning point for him to regain a lot of his energy was when he got Mjolnir back and suddenly like he believed that he was worthy again and I think that this whole like analogy of worthiness in Thor's story is really interesting like how he attaches his beliefs about how worthy he is to whether he can pick up Mjolnir like and and of course like that is what it's enchanted with that you know whoever whoever is worthy so shall possess his power and his like journey of discovering that the power of like thunder and, and lightning and all of that was always like within him and Mjolnir was just like a tool for that I think is really interesting but I think it's all really interesting like how it ties into worthiness and how it ties into his views around being worthy to be in the fight that he is in. So the gift frequency within this 38th jinky is the gift of perseverance. And this gift is about being in the fight that has purpose. It's about embodying the warrior. And when you are embodying the warrior and you're in a fight with purpose within this gift, you meet all of your obstacles with perseverance and you like embrace and relish like in these obstacles and energetically they're a test to your commitment, to your surrender and to your devotion and dedication like to this fight and even to your own honor and this gift really thrives like when it is up against the odds and I think there are so many times in like Thor's battle scenes where we see him up against the odds you know like when he's um in in Sikar like fighting Hulk um, when he like looks defeated and then suddenly like you know like he remembers what his father said and he channels his inner strength and I think that is such like a cool moment where he's like channeling like that lightning in his body like he meets that through like he's against the odds and he really channels his gift of perseverance and you know so, uh, we see this you know there are actually like many times within Ragnarok that we see this where it looks like he is you know, up against the odds, like about to be defeated, but he pulls in that perseverance and he meets the challenge and he moves through it. And part of this gift of like being this warrior with perseverance is to make the impossible look effortless. And even while they're like fully exerting themselves, they still have like this kind of like effortlessness. And I think, you know, another example of this is in Infinity War when they're forming Stormbreaker and he has to like hold that portal for the dying star open. And, and I can't remember the exact words, but it's something like, um, 
the the guy, the person that like was making the the mold for Stormbreaker said something like, you know, it'll kill you. And Thor's like, only if I die. <laughs> like, whatever, just like a small obstacle. Um, you know, and we see him like exert this great strength, like in honor in honor of this fight that he's in. And he almost does, you know, like make it look effortless. This is like the gift for people of action, who love being in action and love taking action like this is the gift of our heroes and people who take a stand they absorb the obstacles and they move through them because they are destined to win their battles and I love in like one of my all-time favorite MCU moments is when is in Infinity War when Thor arrives at Wakanda Um, I think that is such an amazing moment and again like he just makes it look so effortless after everyone has been you know like doing their best but you know struggling on the battlefield and he comes in and just like takes out so many um you know like of of their opposition like of these people they're fighting and you know this is the the moments before like he enters into this defeat of shadow but he comes in like with this like ready to fight ready to move through whatever whatever is in front of him. And this entire 38th Jing, he is, it comes from like the fractal line of honor. And honor is the city or the the divine gift that really dawns when the warrior archetype reaches their ultimate potential. This is where like honor is the energy that turns combat into dance that makes the battlefield beautiful in a sense like when we look at it from a higher capacity to like the warrior turning up for the fight that they are destined to be part of and those warriors that act with this high level of honor carry this really equalizing force so instead of bringing more division they bring unity and I think that we see this a little in the second Thor movie it's only like a tiny bit at the start but Thor you know like at the end of the first Thor movie he told Jane that he will come back to earth he'll come back and be with her but he decided to stay like in Asgard because he wanted to stay and bring unity like to all the realms again and through him bringing unity like he went into battle like he was he was in battle like fighting for unity which does sound like contradictory that the fighting could lead to more division and destruction and all of those things but when the warrior fights with honor they dissolve like the divisive forces and they bring unity into um, like they equalize the forces with their own honor. So that is a little dive into Thor with this 38th Jinky. And I think what what's also really cool is that, you know, like Thor really embodies, he embodies his gifts when he's really fighting like for a higher purpose and when he has something that he's really connected to that he wants to fight for even if, you know, like even in the first Avengers movie, like he just, I find it so interesting how he just like joins the Avengers, like this god from space just joins the Avengers. Like I know they're fighting against his brother, but he just so willingly like becomes this protector of Earth. And I know there's other parts of the story there, but it's like you could see from his perspective how Earth could be seen as just this like, 
you know, like one city in Earth could be seen as this inconsequential thing, but he comes in to fight for it. And I think a lot of that is linked to his views of his worthiness and of himself, like as a warrior as well. And, and like what was his responsibility as well, because Loki was the one causing the, the destruction. But then I find like the dynamic he has in the rest of the Avengers movies really interesting as well. Anyway, that is Thor. Let's go on to Loki. So for Loki, I feel like he is really like representative of the story code of the 35th Jinki. And this Jinki moves through hunger to boundlessness through the gift or the way of adventure. So the the shadow of hunger this is the shadow that really does like it diverts inner progress into the outside world so it wants like this hunger wants to consume and rule and explore and experience things all at an externalized sense that is really depleting to internal development and inner growth and in the shadow it's like this perpetual hunger for more and more and more like nothing is ever enough and it's really like driven by this search for something fulfilling it's like I need to find my place and I'm going to consume everything around me until I find what is the most fulfilling for me and the and the thing about this shadow is that the more you consume the more hungry you are and this path of hunger really always leads to disappointment in the reactive and in the repressive state as well and we see this in Loki like he's hungry to belong he's hungry for his father's approval like in the first movie and he's hungry to rule and to lead for his glorious purpose as he states you know like he's really hungry for like to be important and to mean something in the world. And I think that we really see this is driven by his need for approval in a lot of ways. And it's really interesting, like how it, like in every movie, it's like, you know, he's driven into a lot of different experiences through his hunger, like through him just looking for something, anything that will make him feel fulfilled in his journey. The gift that is within this shadow is the gift of adventure. And adventure is what happens when the force of love or higher purpose ends the hunger so that you're able to take this leap in awareness that like really speeds up evolution through adventure. And this is when personal development becomes very fast tracked. And what we see, what I think is really interesting with Loki is that like we see this in the Loki series that his personal development is so fast tracked once he lets go of his, you know, like glorious purpose that was being driven by that shadow of hunger. And we see this when he's like being played the clips, like playing out his life and he sees how it ends and he sees that, you know, like his hunger for more was always, you know, pretty much meaningless and purposeless. And he gets that reality check again when he finds the infinity stones at the TVA and like they're just then they're, they're nothing and they're not important and through that like 
he takes this really big leap in awareness that really takes him out of that shadow and into his gift of adventure immediately. And I've seen some people like criticize the Loki show because of this, that it's like, you know, like all the character development, um, you know, like how did that happen so quickly when like in all, like the previous Loki that we knew from the movies, you know, like was different from the Loki that we saw in the Loki series and like he just immediately turns into you know like a quote-unquote like good person and like how did that happen but I actually think it is so representative of this 35th jinky that there was just such an immediate leap in awareness because he let the hunger go because he saw that it was meaningless so instead he went straight into his gift of adventure and the gift of adventure is like wanting to discover things experience things and like I, I think it's really cool like to see his excitement when he's figuring things out within the TVA when he's exploring like these different timelines and even though like he's you know recruited to like hunt down a, a variation of himself a variant of himself like I think it's all done like with this really beautiful sense of adventure that was always at the core of his nature but just became distorted um distorted like through that shadow of of wanting approval and trying to get that experience externally and this 35th jinky is like governed by the fractal line of boundlessness and boundlessness is a really interesting city like this is the city that really shortcuts evolution makes way for miracles it's where you know like all laws are broken in boundlessness there are no bounds there are no limits and I think this is something that um Loki really does channel like in his you know like meeting boundaries and finding a way through them breaking laws but in the sense of adventure when he's in his gift um and in a not so productive way when he's in his shadow so that's Loki let's go to Valkyrie so Valkyrie has the uh well the the jinky that I think really represents a lot of her story that we see is the 56 jinky and this has the shadow of distraction the gift of enrichment and the city of intoxication and I think that in this new Thor movie we'll see more of Valkyrie's story like I don't feel like we've fully seen who Valkyrie is and the potential of who she can be in the movies so far um so I'm really interesting I'm really interested to see how she uh like what her storyline is in this new Thor movie and and how they might take her going forward as well but at the moment I feel like the 56 Jinky really represents what we've seen in a lot of ways so the shadow of destruction is really this avoidance mechanism to keep you from feeling pain and when you distract yourself from pain you also numb out any pleasure and this really leaves us feeling depleted where we lose all meaning in our life and I think this is where we meet Valkyrie when she first comes in to Thor Ragnarok that she's you know she's hunting down um she's hunting down people like to compete in the the game thing like the the fight that Hogan Thor was in um and she's just she's distracting herself from the pain that she experienced 
back on Asgard, like when they, when her and the the Valkyrie were fighting against Hela, and she's just, you know, she's in this avoidance mechanism, like avoiding her own pain and avoiding wanting to find a sense of purpose again. So just being, just distracting herself through drinking, through whatever on Sakaar to, to avoid feeling any pleasure and feeling any pain as well, not really having any true meaning in her life. But then the gift within the destruction is enrichment. And the gift of enrichment is the art of doing nothing, basically just being an enriching presence in the world. And it's like your spirit is enriched by the things that you do for enjoyment. And I think that like we see Valkyrie just be like this light and this presence when she's in her gift of like enriching the people around her, enriching the lives of the people around her. And again, like I I feel like we'll see a lot more of this like as her story plays out, but she enriches when she joins Thor in like, you know, the Revengers team. Team, like she really enriches the team when she is you know supporting Thor when they're at like new Asgard she is really like enriching enriching him and enriching the community of Asgard the Asgardians as well and you know Thor makes her king of Asgard um and I feel like she really brings in like that that gift of really enriching just enriching the people around her. And this is all channeled from the city of intoxication. And intoxication is where you drink in all of life and really become intoxicated by life to enjoy life. And like one little um, clip from the Thor trailer that comes to mind, like this is, you know, a clip from the trailer. So I don't know exactly if it will be the same in the movie, but that moment where they're on, I think it's Olympus and, you know, like if you've seen the trailer where Thor's clothes get flicked off by Zeus um and and Jane is like oh like should we help him and Valkyrie's just like oh not yet like she's just enjoying the moment enjoying the view and I think that is just like a really simple yet profound example of this um gift and this city within the 56 jinky okay so let's talk about Odin Odin I think has a really interesting storyline and story arc like not that we see a lot of him but when you really when I think about like when I kind of fill in the gaps for myself and really think about all the things he must have like moved through and gone through like I I find it so interesting and I just find you know like the whole thing with Hela I find really interesting and like his hidden path before like Thor and Loki I think is is very fascinating. But I think a jinky that really represents a lot of his story is the 54th jinky, which is the shadow of greed, the gift of aspiration, and the city of ascension. And this shadow of greed is really like this drive to endlessly accumulate more and more and more without any real purpose. And this greed really comes from this deep disconnect and like a deep loss of unity with the cosmos or like with all others and how we see like this shadow of greed in Odin I think is when 
like Hella is telling his history, how he used her like as this weapon, like him and Hella like went and took over different realms and they like there there was this greed there just to accumulate control over more realms and more people with no like real purpose behind it. And to have that greed to use his child, Hella, like as his weapon and to kind of discard her as soon as he didn't want that anymore. And the gift is aspiration. Like, and and also I think like with being in the shadow of greed, like having this loss of unity, I think that was like a turning point for him to go from the shadow into the gift of aspiration. Like I think something must have like triggered his connection again. And I think it was probably Hella's destruction, like seeing her go too far and seeing like his greed reflected in her actions that he actually like really drove her into doing. Like seeing that reflection, I think triggered this, this connection of unity back in him. Because when we see him in the first Thor movie, he does speak of like, you are the protector. Like you're here to build, to protect, to take care of all the realms. So I think something must've triggered like that, that, sense of unity back with all the realms and and with all people and i and i think it was i think it had to be connected to him like seeing how destructive he was like through seeing hella as his mirror so the gift of aspiration is when our seeking really leads us inwards and we start to aspire to something higher and this gift really elevates ourselves and it elevates others and this is a gift like the gift of aspiration brings a lot of hope and radiance into our lives and into the lives of others and what i think is really interesting here as well is like i think um Odin like having Thor like um like wanting another child and having Thor and then even maybe even taking Loki to like it was like his new chance to raise children like in this new image of aspiration that he had for like radiance and hope and and balance uh, among all people and I think he did like have that is called like this deep sense of aspiration to bring unity and and hope in in different ways but at the same time like he was really suppressing this shadow that he had and I think what's really interesting as well this just came into my mind that like when he saw Thor acting up and like when like the last straw was him going to fight the frost giants it's like immediately he was like you are not turning into Hela like I am not having that so he knew that he had to like humble Thor real quick and he banished him like to earth and you know he gave him the challenge of becoming worthy again. And I, I think that was really interesting. And I I wonder if um I wonder what his thought process was <laughs> is where I'll leave that. But the city here, like the city, the divine channel is ascension. And ascension as the divine fractal is like this gradual refinement of our essence where we carry the karma of the whole and ascend it within ourselves. And I think we see like, what I find really interesting is when Thor, I'm sorry, when Odin dies, 
and, you know, Hela is released, it's kind of like he was carrying that karma of all the things that, like, Hela and in himself had done. But it's kind of like when he dies, like, when he ascends, it's almost like he's leaving that as a final challenge for Thor to deal with. But, and, uh, and I find it really interesting as well, like, what that leads to. Like, I wonder what impact Thanos would have had if the Asgardians, like, weren't on that ship, if they were actually on Asgard. So it's really interesting, like, the the loop of karma. So the last one we're going to look at is Thanos. And I feel like Thanos is a character we can look at, like, someone absolutely stuck in their shadow um, that didn't really have a, like, his redemption was in his death. Like, not, I actually wouldn't even say he had a redemption um, within, like, the 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 main timeline Thanos but the 11th jinky is something that I feel represents a lot of Thanos's story and the 11th jinky has the shadow of obscurity the gift of idealism and the city of light and I think that you know like Thanos is just this really good example of someone stuck in this shadow of obscurity and this this shadow is like the shadow of obscurity is a very much a mental shadow and it's about having this very distorted and perverted story of idealism um like that you think is the most ideal way for things to be but to everyone else they can clearly see like the perversion and the distortion in it and you know at we can see how like idealism is is kind of at the core of Thanos. Like if we, if we look at his motives, like he wants to, he wants everyone to have enough resources to thrive, like blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. Like when we look at it as like that full stop, yes, like that is idolism expressed, but it became so distorted and obscured, like within the shadow of obscurity and his like, the action manifested from that became very perverted and destructive and he was so grounded in his view of the shadow that he couldn't come back into that gift of idolism and light to find a different solution and to find a different answer but the potential was there and and I find it really interesting that we see this in the what if series and if you haven't seen like the what if series I think like was really interesting how it showed um, like Thanos, like T'Challa, who was uh, Star-Lord in, in that What If episode, um, you know, he, he had a chat with Thanos and, like, he made him see and realise that his plan was actually really stupid and was actually, like, something to laugh about and to be like, no, like, why would anyone ever think, like, that was a good idea? Um, I Like, I find that really interesting. And then we see Thanos just being, like, you know, friends and buddies um, with all these people and, like, back into his gift frequency. But he never had that wake-up call, unfortunately, in the main timeline of the MCU. And just, like, as a side note, I think it's really interesting how, like, T'Challa, I talked about this in the last episode, has, I think, is the story code of the 21st Jinky. So he has that gift of authority where people really like, he just has this gift of being the decision maker and this gift of, you know, people really like respecting his 
authority over the decisions that they make. So if only like T'Challa got to have a chat with Thanos in the main timeline at some point, maybe he could have been like spoken out of his like this idea to commit genocide to half the population. But it was really like his attachment to pain and suffering that really kept him in the shadow of obscurity and he lost all of his creativity and light because he was so caught up in this mental net and just too convinced that he was right. He had convinced himself he was the right to the point of no return in the shadow and he really created just more and more distance between himself and his real light or his real higher nature with every action step he took like within that shadow so i think it's really it's really interesting like how that obscurity played out from a seed of idealism of how he wanted to change the world and i'm like i'm convinced that thanos really thought he was doing the right thing but in such a destructive way and he just never really had that pointed out in a way that could resonate and could like wake him up from the shadows and into the gift. Okay, so they are all the characters that we're going to go through in this episode. I hope you have enjoyed this exploration of these MCU characters and their jinky story codes. In the next episode, I'm going to dive into Natasha, Clint, Hulk, Bucky and Sam Wilson. I'm super excited. Um, I'm I'm very excited to dive into their story codes. I think they'll be so good. So thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. If you have any questions, DM me at by Rachel White on Instagram or email me anything like that. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And if there are any characters that I haven't covered yet in part this episode or the episode before or the ones I just listed, I also have a list of more that I'm going to come back to. Message me and I will make sure your favorite character is definitely covered at some point. Um, and yeah, like I, I hope you enjoy this. And if you want to explore your own gene keys and how all of these story codes relate in your life, there's a link in the show notes to look at my gene keys guidance options, or you can send me a message and we can explore that as well. So thank you so much for being here. Have such an amazing day, sending you so much love. Share this episode with whoever you think will love it. And if you screenshot and add it to your Instagram story and tag me. I will reshare it. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Connect with me at by Rachel White to continue this conversation. I would always love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me in your stories or leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful day.